This old-time radio program was originally aired live, long before the advent of high fidelity. As a result, you may detect an occasional surface noise or volume drop due to transmission problems so common to old radio. We hope, however, that any variance in audio quality will not take away from your pleasure in listening to this, one of the all-time favorite shows. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. All right, this is the John Smith Show, and of course, on Wednesday night, so I've got my guest, or I guess I should say my co-host at this point, right, Tom? I'll take the title. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. Uh, So today is uh, the first day of the Biden administration. And uh, I think that makes just the sound of that makes you and I both cringe. It sends the chills up and down our spine, makes the hair stand up on the back of our neck and, uh, you know, all those other handy dandy sayings. uh, And so here we are, you know, Trump is gone. He flew off this morning. I don't know if you watched that or not. I watched that this morning. It was, um, man, it was tough to watch. I yeah, know. I wasn't able to watch it. I was able to listen to it in, uh, on the radio um, on my way into work. I heard him address the, uh, uh, you know, make his final address and then, you know, take off from mar lago So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. mar lago however you say it. I don't know how you say it. Right. But I, could never, I don't have enough money to ever go there. So, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just interesting how this, you know, I was actually watching uh, the conservative uh, Chicanos station after uh, pretty much the rest of the afternoon, late afternoon. And there are like left wing Black Lives Matter and Antifa like protests going all over the country. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Yeah, they weren't showing it on the national news, but you can stream it on YouTube. And uh, what are they protesting now? Oh, they're just demanding. E- I heard the word uh, "no justice, no peace." I don't know how many times they said that. They were saying it over and over and over again. And I guess their their whole point is is now that there's been uh, you know a peaceful transition of power over to the Biden administration. Now they're making it known that they are not going to stay quiet. They are not content with, you know, with the Biden administration, and they're going to make all kinds of demands. And so this went on for hours and hours and hours. It's probably still going on. I have no idea. But uh, it just blows my mind. Like when Trump won, man, I was in a good mood. I was excited. (laughs) And I wanted to go celebrate. I didn't want to. I wasn't pissed off. Right. And it just seems like there's nothing that's ever going to make that group of people happy. Well, I think they may also realize that Biden has their votes. He got what he needed from them. They won't hear from another politician for two years when Congress and Senate are back up for reelection. 
or right. in another four years during the next presidential election. They, they just consistently use that black vote over and over again with the same talking points to get that vote. And once they have that vote, they're ignored again. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So I guess in that, in that case, then, I mean, they have a point, right? I guess, I don't know, yeah. but I, mean, I don't know. I, I just, you know, anytime the person I voted for won, I was excited the next day. I, I yeah. certainly didn't feel like taken to the streets to protest. Yeah, Not absolutely. that I'm a big protester anyway, but <laughs> the whole, like, you know, if today was the, the first day of the, the second, uh, you know, Trump administration, this show would have a completely different tone. Right. I would be a hell of a lot more excited, you know? <laughs> the whole so, show would just be playing the national anthem, right? <laughs> that's right. No, you know, and I, I was listening to my opening and I put on there because I love that quote from Trump where he says that, you know, the country will never, this will never be a, you know, a socialist country. Mm. And uh, um, I don't know if that's true anymore, unless we continue to fight. Thomas Hamilton from Glasgow, Scotland says hello to you, by the way. Hey, Thomas, how are we doing? Good to see you so, again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I don't know, you know, I mean, all of these things that are going into work, you know, you've got people like AOC that are in this country that, you know, are in the government that have a true voice. I mean, she's as nutty as they get right. her and her whole squad. They're, they're just totally anti-American in what they believe in. And, uh, you know, but yet they have a voice and it's stronger now than it's ever been. And uh, Katie Nussbaum, she popped in. She says, hello, hello, Katie. Uh, but uh, I just, it's a scary world. And I I don't know what, you know, you and I, I, I always tell you, I want to look for solutions and I want to remain positive and I want to remain optimistic. But days like today, man, it really takes the wind out of your sails. I, well, how are you feeling about the whole thing? You know, I, as, uh, you know, 75 million of us are, uh, very disappointed in the outcome, uh, mm -hmm. very scared about what the future holds, but I'm not going down that rabbit hole yet of, you know, assuming what he's going to do and start hating everything right now, if that makes sense. Right. I still, you know, you made the comment, um, on the last show we did, you know, um, all these, uh, Trump supporters turning around and saying, you know, I hope for a good Biden presidency. I wish him the best. You know, I am actually one of those individuals. I will, um, I'm not going to go with the not my president hashtag all over my Facebook page. Um, he is the president of the United States. We can contest how he got there all day long. The fact is the final verdict's in. And now that he is in power, nothing else will ever come. We're certainly not going to see any investigations now. So the fact is that he is our president. So I will pray for him to make the right decisions for our country. And I will pray for our country. Now, that doesn't mean I'm just not I'm going to sit back and watch everything he does and go, yeah, yeah, you're doing it right. You're doing it right. No, you and I will continue to have these conversations and call out the, the you know, pardon the language, the bullshit when we see it. And right. we're going to keep him under check uh, as we should in conversation. You know, uh, but yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it, it's a very scary time and it's going to be, um, you know, we're all on pins and needles to see what's going to happen over the next four years. No, I, honest, I, I'm not convinced that Biden's going to last four years. Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think he will. Uh, I think if he makes it through his first two years, I will be surprised. I don't right. think he makes it past the first two years. Uh, I think they're. I think they could easily um, 
pull the 25th Amendment now because they do have Kamala Harris who would support it if right. you know if, if uh, they if they're given the go ahead. I think she will support it. I think uh, people in their cab in his cabinet will soon realize uh, that he is not mentally capable, right, of holding office. Uh, I, I really don't believe he is. And I think that's going to be very evident very quickly. So I think he's got to get uh, a certain amount, like a majority of his cabinet members to go along with it. Mm. And I think the vice uh, vice president has to go along with it. And then the Congress can move forward with, with a, you know, invoking the 25th amendment. And I think that's going to happen unless they threaten him with that. And he resigns, right? He just might come out and just say, you know, just self-admittedly saying that he's tired. He's not, you know, he, he's just not capable of, of managing the, the world. Well, and, all through uh, the campaign, you know, he was, uh, he would gaff that, you know, President Kamala Harris, you know, he mm -hmm. would say President Kamala Harris over and over and over again during his campaigns. Uh, during one time he did an interview and uh, he was asked, what would you do if, if you and Kamala Harris uh, butted heads and didn't see on an issue? didn't see eye to eye on an issue. And he actually said, well, I guess in that case, I'll have to come down with some mysterious illness and I'll have yeah. to bow out. What kind of president speaks that way? I don't know, man. That's, that's what I don't understand. And, you know, I have a, I have a, a video of his gaffes and, you know, it's kind of, it's sad to watch. Now it's obviously it's made to be funny, but I think it was made before he was actually elected. And it's, you know, back then it was funny when he was running for president, his gaffes were funny. Right. But now he is the president. Yeah. He is the and face of the free world right now. That's the most right. Powerful man in the world right now. That's yeah. right. And you've got people like Putin who were extremely manipulative right? You've got North Korea who manipulates the world. You've got China who manipulates the world, Venezuela. You've got all these uh, communist nations that are professional manipulators. And you've got a man in the White House who is not all there. That's right. scary to me. That is scary to me. Yeah. Well, North Korea is already coming back out with their threats about we're going to take down the U.S. and all this other stuff. Now that Donald Trump is gone, you know, um, yeah. it, love him or hate him, uh, you know, people give him crap about, you know, having peace with Russia, even though he put the most sanctions on Russia that they've ever been. But, yeah, he's a he's a Russian agent. Right. Um, and he made peace, or, you know, at least got talks to start happening between North and South Korea. You right. Know, say what you will, but peace is a good thing. Right. You know, North Korea wasn't launching their missiles anymore. We haven't seen it in years. They weren't talking about taking over the, um, you know, the U.S. people uh, and, you know, getting rid of the u.s but now that biden's in office now he's going to start his crap again absolutely and he's not the only one yeah. there's a lot of bad guys out there that are going to be uh stirring up trouble again and you know again like him or not you can love trump or you can hate trump but one thing that you can't deny is he did not take our country into another foreign war right in fact he brought a lot of your brothers and sisters home did he yeah. not Yes, he did. Right. Uh, yes, he, he was did. able While to build the military at the same time. Exactly. Why strengthening the military and not sending our boys and girls over there uh, to give their life or a, a part of their body for this right. country. And so like him or not, that's what he did. 
And my concern is, uh, because I've got friends and family that are in the military, I don't want to see them go over into a war that is where, where I don't care what country it is, as long as they're not a threat to our way of life. Right. You know, if, if you've got two nations over in the middle East that just can't get along, do what Reagan did, let them fight each other out. Right. We, we can even sell them missiles if we want to let them blow each other up. That's up to them. <laughs> I don't care, but we shouldn't be sending our people all over the world. And when's the last, who's the last president that did not get us into a skirmish? I don't even know. Other than Trump. 40 years, I think I've heard 40 years, I think maybe Carter or somebody like that. Of course, Carter never did anything. So, yeah, I I don't know if Carter uh, got us into anything. I don't think so, uh, because that wasn't that long after Vietnam had ended that Mm -hmm. Carter was in. And I don't know if we got into any skirmishes. But when Reagan came in, of course, we got into Grenada and we got into other you know, uh, things that were going on. And then it just, it just hasn't ended. And Mm -hmm. Trump is the first president that has literally got us out of war. Right. You know, nobody know, nobody knew how to handle, uh, all these uh, different conflicts that were going on in the middle East and he handled it economically and he handed it through, you know, he handled it through conversations and he handled it through, through the threat of, of muscle. But right. he didn't get us into any war. And I don't think if he was reelected, I don't think he would get us into a war in the next four years. No, I don't believe he would have. I, that, that was the furthest thing from his mind. He wanted to, to keep keep us out of foreign affairs. You know, as he always said, America first. He wanted to take care of America. That's you right. Know? Susan brings up a good point. To help out other, other areas, he would. But it was always America first and not going to fight somebody else's wars. No, that's, yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, Susan, uh, and welcome to the room, Susan. Thanks for being here. She said Carter had us in a whole hostage situation over in Iran. Mm-hmm. I remember that. That was a disaster. And, uh, you know, it took someone like Reagan to get us out of that. I remember the day Reagan was inaugurated. Iran was like, all right, you guys can have your people back. Right? <laughs> because he knew. And that's the difference. You don't actually have to necessarily uh, use force but you just have to convince the the bad guy that you will, and you will to an extreme that they've never seen before. Right. Was it Ray Porter saying um, no country has ever gotten into a war because they're too strong? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't know, man. I I just worry. I just worry about so many things. I worry about foreign policy now. I worry about domestic policy. I mean, he talked today in his little speech in front of nobody that uh, his biggest concern is domestic terrorism. Now, who's he referring to? It's certainly not Antifa. Yeah, it's not exactly who he was referring to. Of course, the Proud Boys and the conservatives, the patriots that are out there. Well, I, I think their definition is, has extended even beyond that, beyond these little groups that we all know and have heard about. I think he's honestly talking about, and the entire um, liberal media, when they talk about domestic terrorists, they are talking about anybody that voted for Trump. Right. They truly are, and I truly believe that. They're not talking about these little groups here and there. They are talking about every person that supported Trump, and possibly even every conservative. Yeah. No, I agree. I, uh, I, They truly think, and you know, I was talking to you off, off air about this, the fact that 
Uh, AOC has said it. PBS has said it. Um, people on CNN have said it, that they want us to be reeducated, that right. we need to be reeducated. <clears throat> now, I don't think they're going to start with someone like you and me. I don't. Yeah. I think they're going to start with the young kids, the kids of Trump voters. Right. Because all they got to do is ask them, did your mommy and daddy, who did they vote for? Oh, my daddy voted for Trump. All right. You go on that side of the gym. Yeah. And they, oh. they're going to they're going to separate the kids. My kids would be the first to let them know who I voted for. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, fortunately, thank God my kids are old enough and they're out of school now. But I just worry about I, I worry about their kids. You know, my grandkids. I, I do have a young grandson. Uh, he, he's only six years old. I just I just worry about him growing up in a world in this country that just looks nothing like it did when I was a kid. Right. You know, and I know every generation probably says that to an extent. But I don't think we've ever seen um, the country in the position that it's in today. Have, do you? I mean, can you rem no. can you remember seeing 25,000 troops in Washington, D.C. and having a parade marching down the street and not a single civilian anywhere to be seen? Right. That, Absolutely. North Korea his, type uh, of stuff to me. In his address today, in his inauguration, you know, he said today democracy won. And what you see there in Washington, D.C., that is not democracy. That is a police state. Yeah. That's exactly what that is. No, I don't think our country has ever been this close to socialism. Um, I, I think we're just, just a, a breath away from it. And, and I hope that cooler heads will prevail um, in the House and in the Senate. Obviously, it won't in the White House, I don't believe. Um mm -hmm and realize how close we are. And that's, you know, that's maybe one area in which I want to have a positive outlook because the conservative left, even some of them, the true, or I'm sorry, the, the uh, liberal left, <laughs> yeah. you know, even some of them realize how crazy the ideas of the squad are, uh -huh. you know, they actually uh, called AOC's bluff by putting her uh, green new deal up for a vote. If you remember that, I do remember that. Yeah. Okay. And nobody would vote for it. Yeah. Nobody voted for it. And half of them just voted present, you know, because they knew it's a ridiculous proposal. There's absolutely no way it can happen. So now that President Trump is no longer in office, and I believe that's, you know, one of the biggest reasons that we have been so polarized. I mean, you look at every vote. I mean, it was every liberal voted liberal, conservative voted conservative. It was straight down the line. You knew exactly how it was going to go. You knew who was going to vote for what. You might have one or two crossing the line here or there. Mm -hmm. And I think it was more of a statement against or for hating President Trump than it was about the actual policy. You know, yeah. now that they don't have that one figure to hate constantly, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I'm hoping that they are able to have a conversation and some of these liberals will actually go, okay, this policy is just a little too ridiculous. This is not constitutional. I'm going to go ahead and vote no on it. That's my dream. Now, it could be a pipe dream, yeah. but that is my yeah. dream. Even if you remember when uh, Biden was uh, debating Trump and Trump was talking about the Green New Deal, Biden was walking away from that like crazy. He didn't right. want to be associated with it whatsoever, you know, because it is red herring. It, it's a nightmare. I mean, oh, yeah. it would it would it would uh, bankrupt the United States of America by, right. you know, but he came out today and uh he uh, canceled the pipeline. Mm 
right? Mm -hmm. So all those jobs are instantly gone. Right. And those are high paying jobs. People that work on pipelines make good money. Mm -hmm. So they're gone, uh, uh, you know, just by the sign of a pen, right. their history. Uh, he's talking about, you know, using government funds now to fund abortions. Mm -hmm. I don't see, you know, he's going back into the Paris Accord and all this other stuff. And uh, he's overwriting instantaneously things that Trump did. And yet he's calling for uh, unity and peace. Right. I don't think that's the way to go about it. And uh, I also, I think about after the Civil War, after Lincoln won the Civil War, the first thing that he did after the war was over was uh, basically granted clemency to all the Southern generals. Right. Including Jefferson Davis himself. Right. You know, Biden would have got my, uh, at least a little bit of my respect if he would have came out today and said, listen, this whole Trump impeachment, he's gone. Let's end it. Right. It's over. Leave it be, you know, look at the Congress and just say, let it go. Right. But he didn't because he's not that type of leader. No. And I don't think he will either. And I don't think the, uh, the left will let him let it go. Right now, Trump is the guy who came in with really no political party, even though he came in as a Republican. He really was a, an outsider. He was a businessman. He was not a career politician. They couldn't own him. They couldn't control him. So now their objective is to make an example of him. If you step out of line and you try to cross into our good old boys club, this is what's going to happen to you. So they're going to try to continue to ruin him. They're going to try and continue to ruin his family. And they're going to try and go after his businesses. Oh, yeah, I think so. No, and I agree. And I think that's the difference. And so my point is, how can you come out and stand before America on your first day as president, say that you're going to unite and, you know, you're going to bring peace and, and unite the country when you're not? Right. When you're alienating 75 million people, at least 75 million people, those are the people that voted for Trump. Right. And then there were people that didn't vote for Trump, maybe because they were too young, they're still kids, whatever. So the, the, let's just say 80 million people. There's 80 million people in this country who love that man. Yeah. And how can you how can you unite a country when you're going to alienate one third of the country's population. Right. Uh, let's see. Conservative Texan. He's in the room. He says, Hey, John enjoyed seeing you in bear stream today. Just stop by to leave a like and have a good night. I got some something. I can't see what that says, but anyway, yeah. Hey, conservative Texan. Thanks for showing up. I appreciate it. My friend, always good to have you here. So yeah, that's, so I don't know how you unite um, a country when you're going to just, just, really just insult right that many people right did you uh were you able to did you watch his speech today i watched a portion of it uh i yeah. found it just boring i don't yeah. know I, I very uninspiring he looked like he looked like he had just served for eight years and he was <laughs> coming out of it you know right. <laughs> like you know, typically uh, at the uh, at the end of an eight year term or even a four year term, most of these politicians, they go in looking pretty good. They come out looking pretty ragged. Right. He looked like a disheveled old man. Yeah. Like yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I and wasn't able to catch it live. I was. Uh, I, I caught the uh, uh, the recording uh, after I, I got off work today, and I'm not gonna lie. Here was my my impression of it. Okay, it was the most eloquent I've ever seen him speak. Mm-hmm. While very monotone and with no energy, it was the best I've ever seen him speak. It really wasn't any slurring or anything like that. Right. His message, if for one second I believed that he believed one word he was saying, I would have been motivated. <laughs> I really thought it was it was a decent speech given his ability to speak, yeah. you know, at his energy level. Uh, his words were correct, but at the same time, when you're surrounded by twenty five thousand National Guard troops in Washington D.C., speaking to an empty crowd and talking about you know the radical right or the um, uh, domestic terrorists, and we all know who he's talking about. And the white supremacists, of course. Right, and yeah, the white throw that in there. You know, yeah. that just drives more division. It's talking, it's still sitting there saying everybody on the conservative side, every Trump supporter, he's still implying that we're all racist and ignorant. Oh. So, no, he doesn't believe anything he, that he said in that speech today. No, he doesn't. And think about this. First of all, he probably had a teleprompter the size, the size of a van in front right. of him. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah we sure. know that because they, they don't show that. So he that's probably the case. Uh, like you said, he didn't have he wasn't standing in front of 400,000 people. Right. So that 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 mania wasn't there. And he's had two months to practice this speech. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And did so, you see that he couldn't even fill the seats that were there? Now, you could argue, OK, COVID-19, their social distancing, all this other crap. Then why put the seats there? Why not do like he did during his uh, during his campaign and put little circles everywhere for everybody to sit in? No, they put up the bleachers. They put out chairs all over the place. Couldn't right. even fill that up right in front of him. No. And like I said earlier, like watching that parade come down the street with not a single civilian there to watch that parade. Yeah. See, unfortunately, was, I didn't see that part of it. Oh, man, I should have I should have uh, grabbed that video. It, it was just the weirdest thing. To see this, it was a military band mm-hmm. marching down the streets, and there was uh, cop after cop after cop after everybody was in uniform mm-hmm. for as far as you could see, and right. not a single civilian in the shot. But today, democracy won, according to him. Yeah, how? I mean, that, that's <laughs> it makes uh, no sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. And, uh, it, you know, I, I told you I was watching those videos on uh, the conservative bears channel on uh, YouTube because no one, none of the news was carrying it. So I had to go to the internet to find these, all these uh, protests that were going on and black lives matter protests and Antifa protests. And now nothing was, they weren't burning anything down because the sun was still up. So uh, I don't know what's going on now. I don't know if, if there's anything going on, any violence, but uh, they were all screaming. We've, we've got to end white supremacy which okay yeah all right sure but i don't know how much of it's out there but you know those little factions of white supremacy hey do what you got to do right Right. we live in the united states of america you're right to have your own opinion and if you want to be an idiot and be a white supremacist eh, it's on you you just can't hurt people right? right that's how i look at it so they want to end white supremacy Fine, whatever. I don't think anybody has a problem with that. They want their freedom, which I don't know how much freedom they don't have. Like, I'm not sure, you know, that like 
what freedom do I have that they don't? I'm not exactly sure of that. Right. And then the third tagline was, and we need to end uh, capitalism. So as they're chanting to, they want their freedoms. <laughs> they, they want to end capitalism. <laughs> they, so, they don't know what they want. No, no. I mean, obviously, when you usher in socialism, obviously that's what they want. I don't know how that's going to, you know, bring in any more freedom for you. Right. So it's just a complete failure of the educational system in this country. It's a failure of our media. It's a failure of our uh, entertainment. It's a failure of our politicians for people to actually believe that freedom somehow coincides with socialism is insanity. It's just, it's total ignorance, man. Cause it's not taught anymore. You know, the, the failed socialist policies are not taught anymore. Now we're taught that socialism is a good thing. Right. You know, everybody's equal. Everybody, everybody gets a participation trophy. Don't, don't worry about competing because somebody else needs to pay for you. Don't worry about the mistakes you made. It wasn't your fault. It was somebody else's. It was how you were influenced. Don't take personal responsibility for anything. It's right. And I guess my question for that, because when I was, when, uh, when I was little, you didn't get a participation trophy, right? You know, I played baseball my whole life and you either had to be the MVP of the league or your, your team had to win mm -hmm. the, the playoffs, right. <laughs> to get a trophy, you had to somehow, uh, reach some sort of level of excellence in order to receive a trophy. Right, right. Right. So playing baseball my whole life and I wasn't a bad player. I wasn't the best, but I wasn't a bad player. I think I got maybe four or five trophies in 20 years. And I relish those trophies today. I still think about, man, I, I killed it to earn those trophies. Right. When you earn it, it is something special. When it's getting it is. nothing. No. And, and so my, I, I guess what I don't understand is like the kids didn't come up with that idea. The kids didn't say, Hey, we want participation trophies. It was a generation. It was the parents I, feeling bad for their little kids because, Oh, my kid didn't win the game today. So now he's home crying. And instead of saying, okay, guess what? Sometimes you lose. Let's go practice a little harder for the next time. No, the right. parent has to go in there and scold the coaches, scold the league, say, no, my child deserves a trophy. My child doesn't need to be going home with his feelings hurt because he lost a game. Right. Boo freaking who? Go practice, get better, win the next game. But where did that generation, why did they do that? Like, where did they come up with that idea? Like, it was a generation, I guess, before me. Right. Because I was kind of in the middle, right? As a parent, I'm saying. So the parents that are a little older than me were giving their kids all these participation trophies. And, uh, you know, my kids were offered these participation trophies. And I said, no, that's okay. They, they don't they don't need one. He went 0 for 5 today. He made five errors and a team lost by the, the you know, the 10 run roll or whatever it was. Like, <laughs> why, why are you giving him a trophy? He totally sucked. Right. You know, we didn't get to go to... Dairy Queen after our game, unless we won, you know, there, it was ingrained in our minds that you had to perform. You yeah. had to do everything you could to win and win wasn't a bad word back then. Right. And I just yeah, don't understand what happened. It, it's a great question to try and figure out where it started. Cause it seemed like it was almost overnight 
you know, my, my children's friends, you know, and my kids, uh, you know, oldest is 15, youngest is seven, you know, so they're at that age where, you know, the kids are getting the participation trophies and, you know, honorary mentions and all this other crap, you know, but my kids aren't raised that way. You right. know, so I don't know where that disconnect came in because I know I'm not teaching it. I don't know when it started teaching it, but it just seemed to, it almost seemed to pop up overnight, you yeah. know, just with, with no, no escalation or anything. Bam. Here's the first participation trophy. Like, now, and I don't mean to generalize and people watching this, maybe you guys have some answers to this too, because you, I, you participate. I, that's what the show is all about. It's all about open conversation and participation, but I don't know if it was the, the hippies when they grew up, you know, these radical kind of, you know, free love, smoke dope all every day, hippie. And they started having kids and they just were more concerned about the child's self-esteem than they were about uh, learning the lessons of winning and losing. It was right. more about, you know, you know, it was very Orwellian, if you will, because that's kind of where the, the kid would say, you know, two plus two is five. And the teacher would say, Oh, that's so wonderful. You know, that's no, it's not wonderful. It's wrong. You know, but they want to say, okay, well, how did you come to that conclusion? You know, I really appreciate you really thinking this through No, no, no. Two plus two is four. It's not five and it's not, it's not uh, great to think that. Right. It's and like it just all of a sudden telling a child no became a cardinal sin. Right. So telling a child, hey, no, you're wrong has become a, a sin. Now you have to say, oh, that was such a good effort, but let me show you another way of doing that. Just, no, you're wrong, but here, <laughs> let me show you how to do it right. <laughs> right. right. Where did that you're like, like, where did that come from? You know? Yeah. I, I just, like I said, I have no idea where it came from to me. It just seemed like it popped up overnight and I just, it's, yeah. it's mind boggling to be honest. My wife and I, we were at uh, the local Costco and there was this mother who was holding a little kid, like a little baby mm-hmm. and she was on her cell phone. So she's yapping away. Uh, the baby is like somewhat getting like uh, a little unruly. Mm. And then there, she had an older kid who was maybe four or five years old. And he was running up and down the freezer aisle, just opening every freezer door and slamming it shut. And he was bumping into, uh, you know, people that were trying to do shopping. You know, they would be uh, trying to get into the freezer and he would run up and grab it and rip it open away from them and then slam it shut. And she, she was she was not paying attention whatsoever so my wife says to the lady hey your son is interrupting every like he's slamming all the doors and she says she says hold on a second he'll be fine (laughs) and my wife says i'm not worried about him i'm worried about the people that he could hurt right they might not be fine someone might trip over him get hurt and she said parent your own children. And then she just went back to her phone call. Right. Put the phone down lady and be a parent. Well, that's what I did. I decided this young kid needed a stern male voice. Mm -hmm. So I walked over to him and I said, Hey, knock it off. You do it one more time and I'm going to report you. And he snapped to it, cried a little bit. And ran over to his mother. Yeah. And I just looked at her and I was like, 
what do you got to say? <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? But it was handled. Uh, there's, there's a, um, a comment here. Uh, Royce says, I think uh, this all started at the same time the schools were demanded to set up individual IEPs for students that weren't typical students. I think that's when it started. That's when I started seeing more and more participation trophies and not requiring them to actually make an effort in order to win something based on their performance. There you go. Right. Actually, I want to ask Royce, can you uh, elaborate on IEPs? I'm not uh, familiar with that acronym. Yeah, I'm not either. Yeah, no, she's got She's got a great point um, about that. I'm just not sure exactly what the uh, IEPs are. Yeah, that's, uh, is Royce a, a teacher or in the education field or, or just uh, a, an involved parent? Just an involved parent, a very involved parent. <laughs> oh, what, a, what a blessing. <laughs> There's not many of them left. She's actually my wife's mother. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay, perfect. All right, there you go. So, thanks uh, for joining us, Royce. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Royce. I appreciate your feedback too. But uh, yeah, so that's all it took. And I don't know if that kid, if dad, was, maybe it was a, you know, maybe he's not in the picture. Maybe it's a broken home or whatever. But he responded uh, to my telling him to knock it off. Right. And it, it startled him. And he just wasn't used to hearing it. But I think, I think he actually had, had to hear it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I don't know. He just responded that way. Uh, she says, those are individual learning plans for students, for example, that can't sit still in their seat or uh, can't perform at the same level that uh, they would consider a student that's typical is so they only have to do half a sheet of math or only have to do work on half the workbook, only have to do one paragraph uh, where all the other children are expected to do the entire. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. Individual education program. Ah, gotcha. Okay. There you go. And that's what, uh, that's what Susan said to individualized education program. So I didn't realize that I didn't know IEPs existed. That's how long I've been out of, you know, my kids are grown and they've been out of the schools. Thank God. Uh, because if I would have heard of an IEP and my kid was part of it, I think I might've been a little bit out of shape. Right. Right. I just don't understand that. You know, I, I mean, I understand, you know, um, I, I don't know. I, I, you keep up or you don't. And that's the pecking order. Am I, am I so old fashioned that that is an outrageous statement? No, I mean, when I was in school, you know, I wasn't the best student. Um, and I want to say probably around uh, middle school time frame, I, you know, I just, I, I didn't pay attention and it was all me. I didn't have any learning disabilities or anything like that, but I just didn't pay attention to do homework or things like that. And back then, if you weren't getting the grades or you weren't keeping up in the curriculum, you were put in a remedial class. You know, you were left in the same class you were in to sit there and move on with the other kids and hold those other kids back. No, you went to a remedial class on your own with all the other remedial students who didn't want to focus and pay attention. Right. And had to get out of that class in order to go join the regular class again. You had to pass your way out of it, you know. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I, uh, Tom, I'm a little older than you. I'm 49. Uh, but when I was a kid, if you acted out of, out of line, you got in trouble and you even got paddled. I mean, our teachers had the paddle on the desk. 
Right. You know, and they had the discretion to use the paddle. And that straightened up a lot of kids. But once they got rid of the paddle and they they started these individual educational programs and all this other type of stuff, then they started pumping the kids that weren't paying attention for Ritalin. If you think about it today, if you were the same way in today's school, you'd probably would have been medicated. Right. That's oh, scary, yeah. bro. Yeah. I mean, how many of these kids are even uh, that, that are medicated because they're hyperactive? That's what it was called when I was a kid. Yeah. I was hyperactive. And it took me until maybe fifth or sixth grade to finally calm down. But I didn't need medicated for it. I just struggled yeah. along the way. And, and I've seen a really scary uh, statistic, and I wish I could remember exactly where, but something like 60, 60% of students, grade school students, are medicated in yeah. one form or another. And it, it, it's just scary. It's like it you is can't scary. the problem. The parents can't uh, teach discipline. So let's put them on medication instead. That's right. And the, and the schools pay for it. So the parents are like, all right, whatever. As long as I don't have to pay for it. And they put their, because they really don't want yeah, to I be in schools pay for it. Yeah. They, they, a lot of times the schools will pay for it from my understanding. And I could be wrong too there, but if the school wants to put the kid on Ritalin, the school pays for it. And then the kid graduates high school, turns 18 and now doesn't have a supply. Right. So what do you think? What happens? They self-medicate, right? Yeah. After they've been on medication since they were in second grade, now that medication's taken from them because the state isn't paying for it anymore, then they become self, you know, self-medication. And right. that can be marijuana, that can be alcohol, that can be crystal meth, that can be whatever, whatever it is that makes them feel like they were feeling when they were on the state meds. Yeah, That's See, I, I, never, I didn't realize that the school paid for stuff like that. Yeah, and, that, that was new one to me and very shocking, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, teachers today can even recommend, you know, they can recommend that type of stuff. I, I don't know. I, I just think, I think this country has lost its way, mm -hmm. and uh, we've gone down so many uh, slippery slopes, and it's just, I, I don't know if there's. I don't know. I just don't know what the solutions are. And that's what, you know, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about solutions and I want to get people involved. I want to talk to teachers, but the problem is if a teacher was to come on to this show and the wrong person saw it, that teacher would never have a job again. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Actually the other day, um, you know, I kind of jumped on the show. Was it uh, Monday night? Uh, mm -hmm kind of invited myself onto the show. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that actually took me so long uh, to get on the show is because I still had my work shirt on. Right. And I thought to myself, probably not a good idea to go onto this type of show with that work shirt on because people are reporting people and getting their jobs taken from them just for a conservative view, just for an opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. absolutely Cancel good. culture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And you know, I've shared with, uh, when I do the show by myself, I shared this before I was actually turned into my HR department, not because of this show, but because of my Twitter account. <laughs> Are you serious? I am 100% serious. And it was someone that I work with there where I work, there's two teams mm -hmm. and it was someone from the other team. 
that uh, had found out somehow or another that I had a Twitter account. I don't know how they found out. I because that's something I don't share at work. That's not something that it's anybody else's business. It's my business. Right. And so uh, she had found out that I had a Twitter account and that I was a Trump supporter. And uh, she was going through terminate the termination process because she just sucked as an employee. Mm-hmm. So she uh, she didn't want to go down alone. So she opened up my Twitter account and she said, how can you terminate me when there's people like this that work here? Get out of here. No. And she showed that to her manager, her manager being very, doesn't work with us anymore, but she was very left wing. Mm -hmm. She read my Twitter account and was reading some of the posts that I put on there. And she felt that I was a threat. And so she, the manager went to human resources and said, we have this person working here. So HR looked at it and said, well, there's nothing to do with the company on his Twitter account. It has not, this is his personal Twitter account. Why are you showing this to me? Well, because it's offensive. And the HR said, well, who said you're not, who said you're not allowed to be offended? Yeah, exactly. She said, as a manager, as a representation of this company, you're actually violating his rights, his privacy. Stop it. Just close it out and go back to work. Right. And so that HR departments that still stick up for that privacy, because, you know, you hear these stories about the the departments that don't. Right. People actually getting terminated because of something they posted on Twitter or Facebook, something completely outside of their job. And still no, I, because of their views. I agree. And I wonder, and my concern is, is now that um, these people are in, in total control of the country. Mm-hmm. Now, is that a green light? You know, is Twitter setting uh, kind of a precedent that we can now just eliminate anybody we want to because of their views? So will the big CEOs start following that? Will that trickle down? Oh, yeah, I'm sure it will. I, I do believe we are going to see um something to that extent and and hopefully it can be stopped before it gets too bad but you know they've already made moves like that um mm-hmm. other companies have and like you said you know this this twitter ban of president trump and other conservatives you know voices that just tells you know empowers others to go well you know what i don't like what this person says in their private life i don't want to work with them yeah that's insane yeah it's absolutely now, ridiculous. speaking of that um uh... Someone that I follow or I am friends with on Facebook, and I shared this with you earlier. I'm not going to share the person's name, uh, but they are a staunch. They hate Trump. She hates Trump. Right. I don't know what her what her what her pronouns are. I'm assuming <laughs> it's she. She hates Trump, right? So she was bashing Trump on Facebook, and then she was getting into arguments back and forth with people because that's what happens. You post something stupid on Facebook, and you're going to get uh, responses, right? right? You're going to get people that, oh, you, I love what you said, you know, and there's going to be people that say, you know, try to argue with you and prove you're wrong. So she got back and got real nasty on Twitter and got, or I'm Facebook and went into Facebook jail, not because she's anti-Trump, but because she was being an asshole. Right. And someone turned her in. Right. Probably using a few words that she shouldn't be using. You know, we've all been (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure she made it very personal. So let me show you the actual. So she finally came back 
uh, Facebook let her back in. Unlike the president of the United States, <laughs> Facebook let her back in. And this is her complaint. She says, so Mr. Mark Zuckerberg, your lackeys put me in Facebook jail. I was called a bully for having an opinion, quote unquote, an opinion. I don't know why she quote unquote an opinion because, you know, an opinion is an opinion. You don't have to put that word in quotes. Right. She said, anyone who knows me knows that I am the kindest person on the planet. Eh, I think <laughs> I'm going to say... I'm going to say Mother Teresa was probably a little bit better, just a little better of a person. <laughs> she said, I'm caring and loving, and I will do anything in my power to help someone. Please do not try to take my First Amendment right away from me. I am so much more intelligent than anyone gives me credit for. And I'm fine with that, but do not put me in jail because I couldn't stand Trump. This is my right. And now, and then it ended. Uh, or maybe it just doesn't fit on my screen. <laughs> yeah, I think your banner uh, down at the bottom is kind of crossing out the rest of it. But yeah. yeah. No, oh, here we go. Yeah. That is my right. And now we have a great America again. <laughs> okay. Like, this is probably the dumbest paragraph anybody could have put together. It's right. the most hypocritical statement. <laughs> and, and it just, it kills me. So I responded to her and I said, first, they silenced Trump and you cheered. Then they silenced Trump's allies and you cheered. And then they silenced Trump's voters and you cheered. And then they silenced you and you bitched about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> right? That says it all right there. What else do you need to say? It's the, right. of the left that is so freaking ridiculous. <laughs> like we talked about uh, the other day, or I think last week, you know, when they start coming for them, then they're going to realize all this cheering they did to block somebody else's First Amendment rights. Right. You know, it's going to happen to you, too. So you set the precedent and you allowed it to happen without raising a voice because it because what they were saying didn't fit your agenda. So when it happens to you, sorry, guys, you can't bitch. You started this trend. That's right. That's the, it was just, you know, it was so simple. And then someone responded and said, you know, you're, that's exactly right. You know, here she is uh, complaining that she actually got silenced for a couple of days, you know, and uh, she's upset. Meanwhile, when President Trump got silenced, they were all they were all cheering. Right. And uh, and she responded something along the lines of, well, you know, this is the greatest day in American history. You're, you're not going to ruin my day. Like, <laughs> listen, okay. You know, there's just some people can't be helped. You know, the old saying is you can't fix stupid. And, uh, you know, and uh, she's kind of proof of that. But uh, I got to pay, well, I got to do it. I to point out that she's, uh, she's smarter than anybody gives her credit for. Something tells me she doesn't get a lot. Of, she doesn't get cold smart very often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't think that's something that she hears at the dinner table on a daily basis. <laughs> Just about how smart she is. I got to run a quick ad. We'll be right back. Give me 30 seconds to talk about the Espinoza Group, a group within the real estate firm in Gilbert, Arizona. Sherry says, what many agents don't take into account is that it's not just the house itself that dictates how we go about marketing and selling it. 
That's why in my career in real estate for over 20 years, I've developed systems, processes, and resources specific to each different situation you might be in. Visit their website at www.azhomesbysherry.com. That's azhomesbysherry, S-H-E-R-I dot com. Or you can visit their office at 1521 East Elliott Road, Suite Number 104, Gilbert, Arizona, 85234. Experience the difference. All right. Tom and I are talking about uh, the fact that Trump is gone as of today. Biden is now. Let's say he is no longer the president of the United States. And that's, yeah, when I say gone for a long shot. (laughs) No, 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 no. no. And and he kind of said that today. He said, yeah, he says, I'll see you soon. Yeah. You guys go have a good life. Yeah, I'll be back and yeah. <laughs> and How uh, sad so you, is that, that he, they would not even no no news source except for Newsmax would cover his farewell address last night. Yeah, he, he did. They they covered it live. States leading office, and you hate him so much, you're not going to cover his farewell address. I don't understand it. I don't under. I know. I know Fox News played it later on. They didn't play mm-hmm. it live, but they did play it in full, and they played it later, probably during the Hannity show or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, Newsmax came out and they said we apologize. Fox actually did play it. They didn't play it live, but they did play it. But nobody else did. No. You know, and so when you're a journalist or you're a news company, when the president of the United States is giving a farewell address, that's news. Right. There's 75 million people in this country that want to see that. And you're right. Why would they do it? Because they just, they thrive on hate. I suppose they just don't want, excuse me. They just don't want people to hear the other side. And that's evident. I mean, that's, that's just, we just know it. We know that people are losing their jobs because of it. We know that they're being silenced on Twitter and Facebook because of it. Um, they're trying to, you know, uh, harass people that are, you know, in church for, you know, their, you know, churches. They every across the board, anywhere you find conservatism, they're trying to squash it. Right. And uh, if you don't see that, or if you do see it and you agree with it, you're part of the problem. Yeah, exactly. You know, know, we get this big speech about, you know, it's time for unity. But every time you turn on the mainstream media, CNN, you know, you got Don Lemon, you know, berating any conservative who voted for Trump if they celebrated or said anything good about Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr. on his day. Right. You know, I'm sorry. How much hate do you have to have within yourself for a group of people to keep on making these statements. I mean, they need to look in the mirror. No, you know, they're not pointing out a race. They're not pointing out a gender, but they're still pointing out a group of people and lumping them all together with absolute unadulterated hate. Yeah. Well, tyranny always needs an enemy always. Right. And that's, that's who we happen to be. We happen to be the enemy of tyranny and I'm okay with that. I'm okay being the enemy of tyranny. Right. Yeah. Uh, but just uh, for people that are just tuning in, uh, we just want to remind you that Biden is now our president. And I just want to show a quick clip of uh, some of his stellar moments. Mental fil- my physical as well as my mental fil- fitness. 
And I want to see these beautiful young ladies. I want to see them dancing when they're four years older, too. I'm looking forward to this, man. You walk behind me in a debate. Come here, man. Why should Inherited. people want to make a change, though? Well, that's up to them to decide. Why should they? It's for them to decide. We'll make your case. I'm not going to. We can't rebuild our economy and meet this climate crisis, exacerbating the need for environmental justice. Sorry, as a bug. Speaking of the environment. We need to work again with Canada and Mexico as neighbors, not as adversaries, as adversaries. Donald Trump does pose an excellent strength to this. It's not hypothetical. There's things that are worth dealing with China tough on. That makes it far more durable, reliable and powerful and partnerships built on cohesion, excuse me, coercion. Because if you could take care, you were a quartermaster. You can sure and help take care of running a, you know, department store uh, thing, you know, where in the second floor of the ladies department or whatever, you know what I mean? What makes his wild claims and hopes, he now hopes we don't notice what he said or won't remember. And when he does follow through or doesn't do, when follow through, the exact opposite. 1.2 billion. So you go ahead and you stack spaghetti sauce at a store and in, in, in a supermarket. You control the guy or the woman who runs the run brings out the carts on, 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 on a forklift. What happened? The way Trump, the way China will respond is when we gather the rest of the world that in fact invades in in, free, in 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 open trade and making sure that we're in a position that the world uh, that that we deal with WHO the right way. That that in fact. That's when things began to change. I, uh, you know, I, I, I looked at it anyway. I, that's what I think my plan. I know what my plan does. Senator, I mean, no, no, but I mean, think of, I mean, it's not about. I, I know you're supporting by saying booing, but look, here's the deal. And I had a nurse at, at uh, nurses at uh, Walter Reed Hospital who would bend down and whisper in my ear, wow. and go home and get me pillows. They would make sure they'd actually. Probably nothing ever taught in, uh, you can't do it in the COVID time, but they'd actually breathe in my nostrils to make me move, to get get me moving. So you don't make somebody else sick. I want to sick. Ask What's with this guy? Well, the only thing we can do about it is be prepared. We have a whole group of lawyers who are going out to every polling, every uh, uh, voter registration physician in the states, the secretaries of state, making sure that they, in fact, have a game plan as to how they're going to allow the voting to take place. But you know, in the 2020 census, which is now two censuses ago, soon to be, estimated that 200 million people have died, probably by the time I finish this talk. Unnecessarily, now we have over 120 million dead from COVID. That's why I made it a priority my entire career to work closely with you. From the time I got to the Senate 180 years ago, you know, as well as my tenure as vice president. 1787, 1787, United States Constitution. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Kingswood Community Center. Actually, that's the one down I used to work. It's a joke. 
didn't know where we were anyway. Welcome to the nation's Constitution Center. I had the great privilege of being uh, the guest leader of this outfit for a year. <clears throat> it's an appropriate place to make the speech I'm about to make. Oh, great. <laughs> hey, everyone. I'm Jill Biden's husband. <clears throat> but the truth is, she's the strongest person I know. She's a backbone like a ramrod. That's the kind of first lady, 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 this Jill Biden will be. God love you. I, I, I know you're trying to goad me, but I mean, I'm so forward looking to have an opportunity to sit with the president or stand with the president in debates. So I couldn't tell anybody Barack, but Barack. Don't have here in Miami, in Miami, in Florida. You don't have over here. And that is if you keep. Yeah. Uh, that was a little bit long, uh, but you know. <clears throat> I can't believe you left out a story about corn pop and the kids at the pool playing with his uh, hairy legs and loves uh, children jumping on his lap. <laughs> that video, that video could have been, I don't know, an hour and a half long and we still couldn't have caught everything. So right. <laughs> uh, I find it very hard to believe this man got 80 million votes. There's no way. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, is that Quinn? Is that, is that how you pronounce it? Quinn B. Shirley? Yes. Oh, I Quinn. was... Dom Lemon, I think uh, that was a typo. I think she meant Don. I'm just kidding. Uh, Don Lemon <laughs> said the biggest threat to America was the white man. He races. He race baits any chance he gets, then pretends to lament having to do so. One hundred percent. That's the most accurate statement of the night. Yeah, unbelievable. You know, and Don Lemon was one of those guys that was talking about the fact when they were burning our streets down. Uh, you know. Uh, Antifa and BLM and they were causing all these riots. Don Lemon was like, well, you know, the, uh, the Boston tea party, you know, kind of, it's kind of the same thing. Right. So right. he equated the Boston tea party to burning down Macy's and stealing a new pair of Nikes. Same right. thing. Well, he also the one that uh, asked the question who says uh, protests have to be peaceful. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think that was the other. But that's clown. not inciting violence. No. That was Cuomo. That was the mayor of New York City, or the governor of New York, right. the right. governor's brother, that said that. Yeah. So you got this idiot on CNN who happens to be related to a very powerful governor who's talking about riots or, you know, protests. Uh, it's okay if they're violent. Right. Unbelievable. Then the same people show up and, you know, to the Capitol, and, well, that's an insurrection. Now, Speaking of insurrections, we have thousands of people coming in from Honduras that are storming their way up through, uh, you know, uh, Central America. They're working their way to Mexico. Ultimately, they want to storm Mexico after they, they get through Guatemala. And then they want to come to the United States because they believe that Joe Biden is going to just let them walk into the United States, which he could very well do. Probably will. You know, that is an insurrection. Yeah. Now, I, I have see. also heard that Mexico is building up their southern border to stop that caravan. So whether that's true or not, I, I've seen two articles about it. Uh, apparently, Mexico is wanting to stop this caravan. You know, and this yeah. was something Trump pushed for, for Mexico to do. And they're still going to do it. Hopefully, they're still going to do it yeah. um, to stop this caravan from coming through. So we'll see what happens. I mean, 
you don't know what's going to happen right now. But yeah, if they get to the U.S. border, I'm sure it's just going to be open door. Oh, look, that part of the wall's down. Let's just keep it down. And that's the question. So, uh, and I appreciate Mexico trying to do that. But if this caravan becomes, let's say, five thousand people strong, mm-hmm. what's Mexico going to do? What are they going to shoot these people? They would have, they would have a, a crisis on their hands. You know, if that happened, um, UN would bring all kinds of sanctions against them. It would just be a total nightmare. If so, I don't know legitimately what can they do. No, you know, but they. They need to be dispersed somehow, some way, but they certainly can't just come to the United States of America and be given instantaneous citizenship. Right. Because that's an insurrection. That's not, you know, a a handful of people knocking some windows out of the Capitol is not an insurrection. No. Although the media likes to use that word a lot, yeah, and I'm still not going to defend those idiots. Uh, no, I'm not defend. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying what they did was right. Trying to delineate the term uh, insurrection. Yeah. yeah, it just sounds bad. You know, it sounds like something out of I don't know uh, a Star Trek movie, right? Right. It just well, they sounds. Have to use the worst words they can come up with to instill fear in their listeners. I mean, that right. I'm going to be really interested interested to see which direction the news goes in now because they don't have president Trump to beat on every single day. You well, know, it's a love fest of their reporting. No, right. And now it's a love fest over Biden. I showed you a clip. Oh yeah. Oh, yesterday, the guy. Yeah. They're already giving him credit for economic recovery on his first day in office. <laughs> I, know. I, I, I kid you not. The guy literally said that the lights going from what the Capitol to the Lincoln uh, Memorial, whatever, however the it was. Washington like, Memorial, uh, uh, the lights around the... Uh, um, the was the it the... Ca- pond. Oh, no, the reflecting the pond. pond. Yeah, they said yeah. they said those lights looked like an extension of Joe Biden's arms hugging the National <laughs> Mall. Like, I mean, it sounded like the guy was going to... He was getting ready to call up Joe and ask him out on a date. You right. know, it was just... <laughs> It was unbelievably just, and that's where the, that's where CNN and that's where they're going to go. It's, it's becoming a love fest, right? right? And it just so transparent. I mean, just the way the media covered uh, the little show today in Washington, it was a love fest that, that knucklehead from Fox news, the Fox news Sunday guy, Chris Wallace, he oh. said it was the most inspirational inauguration speech he's ever seen. Right. Which is complete crap. <laughs> yeah. <He's, laughs> he looked like a pasty old white dude up there with his right. hair blowing in the wind. Yeah. He it just he didn't look strong or intimidating or no, proud. No. no. And again, I will say for for Joe Biden, I thought he was able to pull himself together pretty well for that one. But it was not an inspirational speech. It was not, you know, it did. Even if I was a Biden supporter, it would not have gotten me charged for his next four years. I would have been like, okay, yeah, I understand the word you're saying. But there was there was no energy to it whatsoever. I used to be in the car business back in the day. And there were car dealerships all around where I worked. I worked. It was back in Pittsburgh, right? And one in particular was directly across the highway from where I worked. 
and I'm, I'm making a point here, so follow me. So uh, it, it was not uncommon for someone to go to that dealership and get treated like total crap and then come across the highway to our dealership. And if, and if you've, you know, if you got one of those people, it didn't matter what you did, as long as you were polite to them, they were going to buy a car from you right? because you weren't them. <laughs> right. It was yeah. like, I'm going to buy a car from him to get back at them. And that's right. really how I kind of picture the Biden voter right now. They yeah, hated I, I, Trump so bad that literally anybody that opposed Trump was their hero. Right. And it could have been the worst sale. I could have done the worst job of my life, but it didn't matter because I wasn't them. They were going to buy a car for me. Right. And, and let's assume that Biden somehow got 80 million votes. Sorry, I'm still not buying it. You know, right. it is what it is now but yeah. I'm not buying it, right? Those people, he had no campaign. He didn't campaign. He was stuck in his basement the entire time. Mm -hmm. I don't believe anybody actually voted for Joe Biden. I believe they voted against Donald Trump because right. of the constant barrage of hatred. They've been shown how they should feel from the media. Right. And no, I agree with that. Nothing right. Whatever he did, he got peace talks in the Middle East. He had different accords. And, oh, this is just to show these guys weren't really, you know, feuding in the first place. Well, okay, but they came together to make a show of unity. What the hell is right. wrong with that? You know, Nothing's wrong that, uh, President Trump did get the, uh, the highest uh, uh, peace award from Morocco um, yesterday. Oh, I didn't hear that. No, I didn't. Yeah, because of the uh, the the accord that he was able to uh, work with Morocco and uh, not Iraq, but anyway, um, he was able to get one. It was one of those uh, Middle East peace accords. So Morocco gave him the the highest honor, the peace honor that they have. Wasn't covered by the news media. You you didn't even hear about it, did you? No, I I didn't hear it. And I read a lot of conservative news, well, and I didn't I didn't even see it there. So. Yeah, that's the thing, man. They And you're right. Everything was horrible. It didn't matter. It, you know, the fact that he brought, he was able to get these companies to work fast and get a vaccine out. I mean, they want to give credit to Biden. They, right. they want it because Biden is going to work on getting the vaccine distribution down. No. Right. Because Trump failed miserably. Well, wait a minute. He gave it to the states. The states are the ones sitting on it. Yeah, New York's New York lost 60% of their vaccines because they weren't able to refrigerate them. So they went bad. Right. And uh, you know, so but none of the none of the blame ever falls everything fell. Right. And the vaccine didn't come up a, a few weeks ago and he had already been elected out of pr the presidency and he was doing everything he could to get the vaccine out there. But it just was never good enough. Now, it doesn't make a difference what Biden does. It doesn't make a difference how bad uh, the coronavirus gets, how many people die from it. It makes no difference because he is working for the people right. and he's well, doing the best he can. You're going to see a drastic number, a drastic decrease in the COVID-19 death rate because they're going to start counting comorbidities or they're, they're going to have died from the uh, comorbidity that they had with the coronavirus. Right. Now they'll, they'll die from heart disease. disease. 
they have to start dropping those numbers. All the vaccine is here. Those numbers need to start dropping. Biden's in office. Trump's out. You know, we got to show that Biden's the one reducing these numbers. It's absolutely it's such a show that just it irritates me to my bones. It really well, I, we may have talked about this before, and you may remember this because you were overseas. Uh, but when Bush was in office, they anytime, uh, you know, one of our men or women in the military was to get killed overseas, they kept a counter, a tracker on mm -hmm. every news channel, including Fox News. They kept a tracker. And you saw that number in your face every day, 1,400. Today, the 1,400th uh, you know, person died in Iraq today. And then it would just keep counting and counting and counting. And then the minute Obama got elected, that counter disappeared. Right. And they never even talked about it. Under Obama, how many men and women were coming home from the military and committing suicide? They never talk about it. No, under the Obama administration, they were trying to demonize every serviceman that was over there. They were court-martialing everybody they could because, uh, you know, this guy shot somebody who was trying to take his weapon. Uh, this guy shot a guy that was in custody. Well, guess what? That guy was trying to attack while he was in custody. You know, they tried to demonize the military under the Obama administration. That's right. That's right. In fact, more people died overseas under Obama than during the Bush administration because mm -hmm. he sent over 30,000 people. He, the military wanted 40,000 troops. He gave them 75% of what they wanted. And because they didn't provide enough, there was a lot of our boys and girls killed over there. Right. And I say that number again, say how many troops he sent to a war zone where they're being killed, and then say the number of troops that are in Washington, D.C. right now. 30,000 troops to fight Al-Qaeda, right? Right. 25,000 troops to fight patriots on our own, on our own land. So what Crazy. does that tell you? How do they see us? And how do they see the military? Right. But yeah, let, let's get... Let's get united. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Well, that's the message of unity right there. <laughs> that's right. Oh, man. Yeah, they couldn't have made a better unity point right there. That's right. <laughs> Unfreaking believable. I just, uh, man, I, I just don't, I don't get it. You know, and that whole thing that went down, you may know more about this than I do, but after, uh, you know, someone let it out of the bag that it was SEAL Team 6 who took out Osama bin Laden, then... A bunch of M6 were put on a helicopter. One of the what is it? A Huey that has the two, the no, two a Chinook. a Chinook. They sent them into a war zone in a Chinook that wasn't even protected, and they all got slaughtered. Now was that coincidence or was that a bad judgment call? Do you know anything about that? No, I'm not going to speak to that one. Uh, we use Chinooks all the time. Um, to you go know, into a battlefield like what's that to go into like a canyon into where they know they've got anti-aircraft and they know that you know they're, oh they're yeah gonna... yeah they, they use them all the time so the army has the chinooks those are the uh 40 uh 46s i believe in the marine corps we have the uh, uh C, no so the marine corps is the ch46 uh the 47 is the chinook so they're, they're basically the same thing they're both the dual prop um dual prop helicopters the 46 is a little bit smaller the, the chinook the 47 is a little bit bigger uh but yeah we use those in combat situations all the time uh, i've ridden in tons of them been inserted um 
for combat missions using those um, have done fast roping out of them um, so yeah they're used all the time so I'm not going to comment on whether that was a bad call um, you know the, the seals still use them uh, you know special forces still uses them they are still in common use okay all right well there's what I've read and maybe it's all conspiracy theory but what I've read is that they had no business going into that battle with that type of aircraft with our most elite force inside right. that inside that yeah, helicopter. I, I don't know what the battle situation was around them how many anti-aircraft you know the intel that was coming in now they should not have been deployed without um uh cover fire from the apache helicopters or some other um cover helicopter around them to take out anybody that would be shooting at them you know i don't know the whole logistics of it and how many helicopters were deployed and what the intel was coming in so i can't really speak to that uh gotcha. i will just say that they are still in common usage. All right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I think it was more of the situation, but I don't know enough about it to really talk about it, but uh, it, it is a strange know. thing though. Yeah. I just, uh, I it just, this is a very important point that we were just talking about. The fact that, you know, we see our military, the conservatives see our military to be used to protect Americans mm -hmm. from evil people. Now, some conservative or some Republicans get a little overzealous with the military and they want to use them to police the world. Right. right? I don't believe in that. I don't think that's no, what the, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's the purpose of the military. But, you know, we do get Republicans who do like to do that. I have. I have never seen now, maybe maybe this is something that the, the liberals have always wanted to do, but to show that type of military presence to deter American citizens from going to the capital of the United States. And I, don't mean, I don't mean the Capitol building, but the capital, the city, the, you know, the, the capital, Washington, D.C., to deter people from going to see their president elect. I, I still can't, I, I still can't get past that. This is something that I will never forget. Right. And I hope to God never happens again. And that's going to be the first images uh, or the, the mental image that, you know, I, I hope he has throughout his, you know, short presidency and what history will remember him by is the guy wearing a mask throughout the entire day of his first day in office, except for when he was given the speech, uh -huh. you know, a guy hiding behind a mask the entire time and hiding behind 25,000 guard members. Did Absolutely. you see they actually polled? They were pulling some of the guard members out of there because they found mm -hmm. out that they were Trump supporters and openly. Yeah. And that is a complete insult to the military flat out in every military. You're going to have Republicans. You're going to have Democrats. It yeah. happens. Not everybody is 100 percent one way. But to sit there and have the FBI vet every single guard member there and then pull out 12 of them because they have conservative ideas you know I, now i don't want to jump to that conclusion i want to see which we never will find out why i'm sure but i want to see exactly what the reasoning was to pull these 12 guys off that job it's you know, pretty terrifying because of what they had on their facebook posts or something like that but well, that's what i think it is yeah that's you know, I, they could belong to a facebook group or something you know maybe a stop the steel group or something like that right and they're pulling them out of their I, I, man, I'll tell you what. Yeah. Just to sit there and have them vetted like that. 
Uh, and did you see uh, Abbott uh, from Texas? He came out and said, you know, that's absolutely ridiculous. It's an insult. I will never send my my guard to D.C. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. You know, I think it's like uh, almost 70% of the people in Texas, want they want to secede from the union. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then you've got that moron on CNN, uh, the, the, the representative from Tennessee. I can't remember his name right now. He's on CNN defending the vetting, talking about the guard is made 90% of males and the majority are white males. So absolutely, these people need to be vetted. Yeah, see. And I'm just like, come on. Really? You could not say that about any other group of people. No. That they need to be vetted based on their skin color and their their gender. Yeah. I mean, that's you, just, it's a lack of respect for the military, period. Right. Oh, man, what a shame, dude. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, um, so predictions for the next two years. Do you have anything um, that uh, you might predict might might happen? Good, bad, or indifferent? Where do you see the well, country? I see we're going to be losing our energy independence. Yep. He's already shutting down the pipelines. Uh, he's going to stop subsidies to the uh, oil companies, but give them all to the, uh, you know, green energy fields, which Trump was already doing. He was just giving to both, but nobody ever wanted to say that, you know, uh, I, I think we're going to lose our energy independence within the next two years. Um, I do believe we will be back in a conflict of some kind. Damn. I think uh, Iran is going to start up their crap again. He's already tried going talking about going back into the uh, Iran peace accords, which they don't follow anyway. No. If we go back into the Iran peace treaty, then we've stepped on Israel again. I, I believe we, we will be in some sort of a conflict or a buildup of a conflict within the next two years. I, I agree. Really, now, I truly pray that I am wrong. I really do. But that's the direction I see. You know, I see our taxes being raised again. I see, you know, he's pushing for the $15 minimum wage. The cost of living is going to go through the roof. We're going to have more unemployed and more businesses going out of business because they can't afford to pay this $15 minimum wage. Uh, I just don't see a, a good future in the next two years. I just don't. Now the policies they're, pre they're presenting. Now, again, I pray I am wrong. I will always pray for this nation. I will not pray for President Biden to fail. Praying for him to fail is praying for our country to fail. I pray I am wrong, and I pray he does the opposite of what I think he will. Do you think um, the there's a couple things that people are talking about? One, they want to make D.C. a state. Do you think that happens? And two, do you think uh, the Supreme Court gets additional justices? In other words, they pack the Supreme Court. Is that going to happen? Uh, that's a good question, because you brought up a good point of why you think they didn't hear the Texas uh, case during the election. Um, you know, maybe Biden made that call and made them a deal. Hey, if you don't hear this, then I'll leave the, the packing of the Supreme Court alone. Um, I just don't see them being able to make D.C. a state. I, I just don't see it. The entire reason it is the District of Columbia is because the capital of the country was never supposed to belong to one specific entity. They did not want it in Virginia. That's why they moved out of New York. New York or Pennsylvania? Where did it start? New York, right? 
I think PA and Philly, right? Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Sorry. History's a little. No, that's fine. Yeah, I might be wrong on that. Pulled it out of a state and put it in between two states because it was never supposed to be its own state. And I hope that people can understand that and respect that tradition. Now, as far as Puerto Rico becoming a state, that's a possibility. But you know, that's up to the the Puerto Rican people to vote, and they voted it down several times. Right. Yeah. I, I really hope not. I can see them trying to push it. Um, to get those extra two Senate seats. And that's the only reason they want to do it is yeah. to get those extra two Senate seats. And a They're couple trying to in the House as well. What's that? And a couple in the House as well, a couple seats in the House. Right. And what they're, they're, they're yeah. trying to use the argument that they get no vote in the, uh, in the House or Senate, but they do actually have a vote. They do have a representative based off of their numbers in both of the House and the Senate. So it's their, their argument is null and void. They're just they just want those two extra seats in a from an area that, you know, is 95 percent Democrat. Every time it comes up, it's going to be two new Democrat senators. And that's the only reason they would fight for it to become a state is because they know it's going to go their way. Uh, They would gain two seats in the Senate. They would gain maybe a couple seats in the House and they would also gain electoral votes. Right. Towards the Electoral College. So. I don't know if they'll do that or not. Uh, I have a feeling that's more likely than the Supreme Court packing, but I could be totally wrong. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen now that they're in total control of everything. Uh, they may have made a deal, but they break deals as quickly as they make deals. Right. You know, and uh, so I guess we'll find out. I think they're definitely you're going to see uh, strict gun laws that are going to be uh, passed and signed. I don't know if the Supreme court will be able to find them unconstitutional. Uh, so we still have that as an option to preserve the second amendment, but I think they will go after the second amendment yeah. like nobody's business. Uh, they're well, going to find attacking the NRA NRA is, uh, claimed bankruptcy, but they're going to be reopening in Texas from what I understand. So that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> um, and I was thinking of one more thing too. um, what they plan on doing. And it just escaped my mind. Uh, darn it. I had a good prediction too. Um, try to try to rack my brain here for a second. Right, oh, uh, actually the fairness doctrine. I think, I think you're going to see a return of the fairness doctrine and that applies to uh, radio entertainment. Uh, and that's what actually once I think it was Ronald Reagan who actually did away with the fairness doctrine. And that's what opened the door to conservative talk radio. That's what opened the door to Rush Limbaugh and mm-hmm. Rush Limbaugh was the pioneer. And from, you know, from him, thousands of people came yeah. out and news station, you know, all of a sudden talk radio AM, which was almost dead. Mm-hmm. They were talking about doing away with AM radio <clears throat> because nobody listened to it. Uh, and it was actually because of Rush. He saved AM radio and it just blew up like crazy. But they're talking about reinstating that. And basically what that means is if you have a conservative who comes on the air for three hours like Rush Limbaugh, then you've got to have three hours of the opposing point of view immediately afterwards or broadcast on the station during peak time. So you can't hide the liberal at midnight because no one's going to be listening. No. And that's why liberal radio never works. It just doesn't gain uh viewer or listeners just like CNN doesn't gain viewers. Nobody tunes into CNN unless you're in the airport, you're forced to because they have contracts with the airports. 
to play CNN, but nobody listens to it. So uh, what will happen is uh, radio stations, AM radio stations around the country, they don't want to have three hours or six hours of a liberal. Let's say they run, uh, you know, Limbaugh and then Sean Hannity, and then they've got to run six hours of a liberal person. And they know they're going to have six hours of dead air. And they know that six hours advertisers aren't going to want to pay because nobody's listening. Right. So the AM station will just say, well, we're just going to drop talk radio altogether and start putting on, I don't know, we'll maybe broadcast the next uh, cornhole tournament or something. <laughs> so it'll kill conservative radio. And fortunately, we do have the Internet. We've got, you know, Internet stations and we've got YouTube, but, but they'll ban everybody, too, which they, yeah, they've already for now <laughs> for now. Uh, you know, so I see conservatism I, and I think they'll go fairness doctrine hardcore. They'll probably take it to the next level. But I see um, I see conservative talk radio taking a major blow. I see that definitely happening, but we'll see. Yeah. I could be totally so, wrong. I don't know much about that fairness doctrine. I have heard you mention it before and, and kind of break it down like that. So if they do that to a, let's say, a conservative radio station, do they have to do that to um, a news broadcast as well? So if you have no. a liberal CNN, how do, how, do, how do they apply that rule? Is it just so, a radio or? My understanding, it's it's opinionated type of radio. And okay. so it's so because CNN is journalism and it's just the news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you weren't joking. <laughs> You're calling journalism. Okay. <laughs> no, but that's what they'll claim it to be. Right. It's news. It's journalism. It's just, you know, it's just the facts. Whereas Rush is a entertainer. Right. Rush, he's a commentator. You know, yeah. He's a commentator and entertainer. Uh, you know, they all are. Uh, you know, Mark Levin and Hannity and uh, Beck and the whole crew. Right. But fortunately, you know, like Beck owns the Blaze and, and that type of stuff, which is privately run and it's it's a subscription based thing and it's on the internet. So, you know, can the internet provider or whoever houses them shut them down? I don't know. I don't know how he's organized or whatever, but uh but I see the vast majority of of talk radio going away. Right. Because they well, don't I'll want that voice. That I hadn't heard that um yeah. Again, I've heard you talk about the fairness doctrine before, but as far as reinstating it um, or getting rid of it, um, you know, yeah, it would be reinstated. Yeah. Reinstated. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be uh, interesting to see. So we'll see. We'll see if that Terrifying. happens. Yeah. The terrifying, man. I mean, listen, they're going to try to, they're going to try to squash conservatism any way they can. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll paint the fairness doctrine out to be just that, Oh, it's fair. Right. You know, at the radio stations, they won't be able to stay afloat. They yeah. just, I love how they put these, uh, you know, sparkly little names on all these, you know, crap bills that only lean one side. Yeah. They're masters at it, man. They are masters at it. And uh, they're, they're great at uh, the art of deflection or whatever it's called. You know, they commit the crime and then they blame the other guy for committing the crime. Right. The other guys are like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, what? wait, that was you that did that, you know, and then the media just just they just back it all up. So, well, that we'll see. Those are our predictions for the next two years. We'll see what happens. Um, I also predict that 
the Republicans will win big time in two years, both yes. in the House and the Senate, if it's a fair election. If it's a fair election, yes. I don't know if I have faith in the election system anymore. And I'm talking about just the voting, the machines. I'm not talking about – I will never back away from the Electoral College. I think the Electoral College is brilliant. I'm just talking about the actual methods of which we vote. Right. Has do it you been think corrupted? They get away with it? As many questions as were raised this time, do you think they could get away with it twice in a row? Sure. Or you think they just think they're that powerful that nobody's going to question it again? Well, I mean, <clears throat> when you're not allowed to present any of the evidence, the media doesn't cover it. The media right. just keeps saying that there's no evidence, no evidence, no evidence. Right. So that when someone brings it up, they think you're a conspiracy kook. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the courts won't hear the cases. I don't see why they wouldn't do it again. Right. What's going to, why would, you know, they got away with it this time. Why, you know, it's just like a, a drug runner. You know, the drug runner goes down to Colombia and brings cocaine back into the United States until they get caught. Right. They don't just do it once. No matter how big the payoff is, they keep doing it, right? Yep. Until they get busted. And then they regret, oh, uh, you know, should have never done it in the first place. Well, you did it 12 times. <laughs> you know, you got caught on the 13th time because you're greedy. So I don't know. I, I mean, unless they get held accountable, I think they will continue to do that. So I don't know. Are Let's we see. giving an over-under on how long uh, Biden will actually stay in office before we have President Ooh. Harris? Oh man, I would love people that are listening to, t you know, to chime in on that one too. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, my gut tells me the first two years, the yeah. second two years, he won't be there. I'm, I will actually be surprised if he makes it through his first year. If he is okay. still president January 20th, 2022, I will be surprised. All right, so the official I'll since I'm the host of the show, I'll say the the, the official over under is 2 years and you're going under. You're picking the under. All right. Well, anybody uh, any takers that are listening, you got any takers? Will he make it beyond 2 years or will he not even make it to 2 years? That's the over under. Oh, Emily Kiesel, that's my cousin back in Altoona, Pennsylvania. She said 6 months. Wow. Mm. Okay. All right. There's a bold one. I like that. <laughs> Six months. I like it too. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, well. it's scary at the same time because look who's replacing him. We're going to have the oh. most radical leftist ever in the Senate as the president of the United States. So, and I think that was the plan all along. So, no, I won't, wouldn't be surprised if it was only six months either, but it's a scary freaking thought. Look, the Democrats want the first woman president. Right. Because, you know, uh, Republicans have done a lot with the first female. If you go back and you research history of politics, it's actually the Republicans who have introduced women into like the first position of this, the first position of that, the first Supreme Court justice. Right. So the Democrats, they are desperate to have the first female president. And, uh, you know, and they'll get it any way they can. They're chomping at the bit. Uh, Emily says, definitely scary. And Royce says, and then Pelosi is VP. Oh, my. Would, could you imagine that? I think it would be. I don't know. I got to look up to see how old uh, Ocasio-Cortez is. 
Because uh, she's, she's not old enough to be president yet. I think she still had a year to go. Okay. Yeah. So the minute she's old enough. Because it's 35 to be president. Yeah, I think she. Yeah. And it's the same with the VP. So if right. if she's 34 and they can, you know, they can uh, push Biden, you know, keep him on the uh, the ventilator long enough to, uh, you know, to survive until Ocasio-Cortez is 35. I think she's named VP under a Kamala Harris. You think so? I wouldn't doubt it, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And then she'll run again. She'll because Kamala will run for a second term. And then, uh, you know, and you can also, depending on when you come in, if you come in after the two year mark, I think you can run for two more full terms. Yeah. So, you know, Kamala could potentially be our president for 12 or, uh, don't say it, John. John, do not say it. Ten years. <laughs> Listen into that laugh for ten years. <laughs> Everything's so damn funny. Oh. Anytime anybody says anything, she thinks it's the funniest thing she ever heard. Right. Unbelievable. She's such. She's. And you know how she got into politics, right? I mean, everybody knows that. That's not a secret. She was. She was uh, smoking Willie Brown's pole. <laughs> <laughs> she was his side piece in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. uh, Roy, I, I find that so funny how, you know, she's never denied it. You know, everybody knows it's true, but it was never even brought up during the campaign. You know, nobody, nobody asked no. the Biden team, any of the Biden team, any hard questions. No. It was, hey, Joe, what kind of ice cream are you eating? You know, <laughs> those are the kind of questions he got. Nobody would ask them the hard questions. You know, yeah. And just like today, he signed three executive orders in front of the press, then kicked the press out of there. As right. they're trying to ask questions, the, the little roundup lady, she's pushing them out. Come on, guys, get out, get out, get out. He's not taking any questions from anybody. And I think this is what we're going to see his entire presidency. He is not going to. He is going to control that press. They're not going to be able to ask him any questions unless he specifically picks that question. And you won't see him answering any hard ones. No, absolutely not. And the questions were always like this. Since Donald Trump destroyed the economy, how do you plan on fixing it? Since Donald Trump couldn't handle the COVID virus, how do you plan on doing it? Yeah. It was always painted as though Trump was the complete failure. Exactly. You know, and it's just, and Trump would be back there rolling his eyes like, oh my, come on, you know? <laughs> Gee, this is a circus, and it didn't matter who who did the the debates. They they all asked the questions the same way. Right. Well, we'll see. Uh, Roy says, uh, "Is she thirty four in people years or horse years?" <laughs> <laughs> I would say, <laughs> I would say those upper teeth. <laughs> She's got some beavers up there, beaver teeth up there. Uh, protocol says Speaker of the House will take the vacated VP seat. I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought if if he actually stepped down and Kamala moves into presidency, she would get to nominate the VP. I didn't well, know if okay, she would um, automatically fall in from the speaker. When Ford took over for Nixon, who was the vice president at that point? Was it the House Speaker of the House that stepped up to VP? See, this is where I need to brush up on my history. Yeah, I should know that. I should know who Ford Nobody ever remembers the VP. They only remember the president. So... <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah. And people barely remember Ford. They think it went from uh, Nixon to Carter, but yeah, there Ford was in between there. Yeah. 
And the only re- reason I remember is because Chevy Chase played him on Saturday Night Live and would always fall down the steps. <laughs> um, Roy says, I believe it is set in stone. And yes, Speaker did step on or step up. Okay. okay. Well, good to go. Yeah. Thanks for the history lesson, Royce. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. If you're not learning something every day, you know, what's the point, right? That's right. That's right. I do need to, I do, I do need to look that up though. Well, anyway, yeah, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Becoming the VP. Yeah, let's that, not say those words anymore, John. You, you know, it's good. like that uh, Bloody Mary thing. You say it three times and it's going to happen. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, it's almost uh, it's time. Uh, you and I got to work in the morning and the people watching and listening, they've got to wake, uh, wake up and do something in the morning, whether they work or whatever they do. Uh, yeah. Royce is shuddering. That's right. Uh, well, that's about it. So, uh, we'll be back, uh, either, uh, Friday night or Monday. It all depends on how I'm feeling. You know, if, if, uh, the world goes to shit in the next two days, we'll be here for Friday, Friday show. And if you're available, let me know. Uh, if not, I'll be here, um, you know, flying solo, but whatever, doesn't make a difference. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for, uh, be sure to follow us or subscribe to the channel. Uh, like our channel on Facebook or subscribe. Uh, I'm starting to sound like Biden. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube and smash the little bell, the reminder bell, so you know every time we come on. But until then, until next time, uh, take care of each other. Be nice to one another. And uh, God bless. God bless. Thank you. <laughs>